I fed a snake a rat one time. It's pretty good. Wait, was this? I I temporarily this... had a snake. I had an ex girlfriend who uh, one thing led to another, and I had a snake for like a month. <laughs> nice. It was pretty nice. I enjoyed it. and welcome to Let's Pod This. My name is Andy Moore. I am your host today. Uh, and as always, I'm joined by our co-host, Scott Melson. Hello, Scott. What's up, man? How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm excellent. Happy Good. Friday today. Normally, we record on Thursdays. Yes, but it's been. I'm glad it's Friday. It's, it needs to be Friday. It's a okay. weird week. Yeah. Uh, also in studio with us today is Trace Savage. Thanks for joining us, Trace. Thanks for having me. I've I've uh, long wanted to be on your podcast, uh, and this is a hopefully going to be a good maiden voyage. I hope so. Uh, and you have a podcast as well. Yeah. So we do a podcast with uh, FKG Consulting called How We Got Here. It's on Podbean and Apple Podcasts and all that stuff. We kind of try to look back at maybe the historical background on certain issues that are facing Oklahoma politically and then kind of go from a point in time to the present. And sometimes that works, and sometimes we just get into long conversations. I will say I listen to it each week, and it's very enjoyable and informative. I appreciate it. I think that, it, I think that our podcast complement one another nicely. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad I didn't bring any facts here with me to this one, so I just I thought I would just be here. Just going to wing it. This just, is how we do it every right. week. Trace, you're also the uh, editor-in-chief of Nondoc, which I, I just threw out there because um, for reg- <laughs> regu- regular listeners will know we reference Nondoc almost every week as a kind of go-to source for information about what's happening in Oklahoma. We appreciate that. Yeah, uh, nondoc.com. Uh, we're on all of our social media. Uh, I'll plug our Instagram because we're trying to up our Insta followers, get our picture game on point. But um, yeah, we try to be a responsible public forum for news and commentary. And uh, we've had the, the pleasure of working with you guys uh, with Let's Fix This uh, on, a, on a couple different deals. And I think that's what we're going to jump into today. That's right. So uh, a couple of quick announcements. Uh, programming notes. Programming notes. First of all, and this is um, maybe on a personal note, for all three of us, uh, is that this morning we all woke up to the news that Anthony Bourdain uh, had taken his own life. Uh, and I know for a, a lot of people, uh, way more people than I realized, he's had a major impact, I think, yeah. on our generation. And, yeah. um, and on the heels of Kate Spade taking yep. her life last week, uh, the issue of suicide has been thrust into the national attention in a way that we haven't seen in a while. And uh, so as Scott and I prepared for today, we really wanted to... to put out there that if if you or someone you know is struggling with depression, if you're contemplating suicide, if you've um, anything in that realm, um, we encourage you strongly to reach out to loved ones, um, to us. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a licensed professional counselor. This is actually my, it's actually my field of, uh, of study and expertise. Um, Trace, you're a, a mental health first aid instructor? Yes, yeah. Um, no, I think you make a really good point, Andy. And, um, you know, it's, uh, I think a lot. there's a lot of misconceptions. If we can say very quickly, the stigma around mental yeah. health is yeah. one of the biggest barriers for people to, to get help. But also, um, to dive deeper on that stigma, a lot of people don't understand or don't recognize or don't believe that recovery 
uh, is possible and yep. not only possible, yep. but likely yep. actually. And so, um, you know, I think we can all do a better job of, of, uh, sort of preaching that, uh, hope, um, to folks who, who may be dealing with something because, you know, a, a depressive condition, suicide, suicidality in and of itself is not a mental illness. It is a right. symptom right. of various mental illnesses, whether it's depression, uh, substance use disorder, uh, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, any, anything yeah. you, you could think of in that regard. And so it's episodic. Yeah. And so somebody may go to bed at 10 o'clock tonight feeling very suicidal mm-hmm. and then wake up the next morning and think, I don't feel that way now. What? That's very weird. So people don't want to talk about it a lot. So I know you guys know the answer to this. The only proven way to prevent suicide is to ask the question. Yeah. And um, that's sometimes counterintuitive. So, I, you know, there's a lot of great resources out there. 1-800-273-TALK is the National Suicide Hotline. Um, and I, I, I personally like psychologytoday.com. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure if you go on there, you would, you'd be able to search and you would find Andy or many other uh, licensed therapists who it shows what where they are located, uh, what their uh, what what insurances they take, what they specialize in, a photo of them, um, and then two other things I would say is is one um, sometimes people have shame. Sometimes I'll, uh, people say, "Well, I, I I feel weird. I I would prefer to talk to a woman, or I would prefer to talk to a man," yeah. and they feel this sort of shame, right? That like I shouldn't. Oh, that's awkward. Or uh, maybe it's a person of color saying, "Well, I would like to talk to a person of color," mm-hmm. you know, and they mm-hmm. feel weird about it. And there really shouldn't be any shame in that regard, right? Like you may feel more comfortable talking to one gender or another. The other thing with that is that a lot of times people will say, well, you know, I went to a counselor a few years ago and I just didn't really like them, you know, and that becomes sort of a a, a, a tagline to why I'm not going to go seek out another counselor. Right. And with any profession, you know, there's, there's uh, folks that work well with you and folks that don't. And so right. I would encourage people to um, maybe you know, look for all their options. Um, if, because, because professional help when it's found and when it's, when it's done well, uh, it is really the, the best strategy for, for getting past any of these conditions that maybe involve suicidality. That's right. Yeah. I, I definitely agree. I do want to, um, reiterate the phone number that Trace just, uh, rattled off for the national suicide hotline, 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. Yeah, and the only thing, and the only thing I would add, I agree with everything you guys have said. I would, I want to throw out something to to friends and family members of people who may struggle with this. I think one of the reasons, you know, I think one of the reasons that suicide has become such an epidemic. I don't know if you guys, I'm sure you did. You saw the CDC came out with a report this week uh, that suicide has gone up by 25 percent uh, since 1990. Um, it has no. There are no, there, you know, it affects men, women, children, adults, young, old, elderly. Um, there's no demographic that is immune from this. And I think one of the reasons that it has become so, um, such something we're struggling with as a society is one, the stigma that Trace mentioned that people don't want to talk about it. But I think there are times when it is mentioned that people, we as friends or colleagues or coworkers or whoever, don't take it as seriously as we should you know when someone says that they're thinking about harming themselves particularly they're thinking about taking their own life you should think of that person the same way that you would think of someone who's saying clutching the left side of their chest and saying i have chest pain right like you know that person may not be having a heart attack their life may not be in imminent danger but they have a symptom that means it could be um and and that's the level of seriousness that we need to approach this with so if you 
have these feelings, please reach out to someone, reach out to family, reach out to a friend, reach out to your doctor and reach out to the national suicide prevention hotline. Um, if you are a friend or family member that someone comes to with this, please don't dismiss it. Please don't say, Oh no, you're going to be fine. Please don't take it as you know, someone being dramatic, take it for the, take it as the, the cry for help that it is and get that person to someone who can help see them through that episode. Yeah. And, and we don't want to be mad at somebody. Correct. Either, right. I mean, we, even right. if it is somebody that we're close to, right. it's, it's really hard not to take it personally right. and to say, don't you know what that would do to me or don't, you know, but you know, in reality, um, suicidality is a symptom of somebody who's, right. who's ill and, right. and, and we wouldn't have any negative connotation towards somebody who had a, a, a breathing problem or a heart problem or anything like that. Um, right. So I think that's, that's part of it too. And then the last thing I'll add is that I think this next week, um, is, is really, uh, heightened risk because, you know, there is yeah. a, what's called contagion. Um, mm-hmm. and you have a couple high profile people who, um, complete suicide and, um, you know, for people who are sick and maybe having that, you know, af- affect their thinking, you know, their behavior, their thinking, their emotional state are all kind of um, affected by the the mental uh, health issue they're having. You know, they may see that and, and that could be yeah. another reason for them to attempt something. So, you know, I think over the next week, it's really important to keep an eye out um, because this is if this is going to be a national conversation, it can be very good, but it can also. Right. Um, result in in more people maybe attempting agreed yeah okay well now that that's over that's right let's take uh so we're gonna do two announcements two more announcements and uh and then we'll get into the topic of the day so the two announcements are one is that next friday june 15th at 6 p.m we're gonna have a debate among the democrat candidates for labor commissioner it's a statewide elected office it's going to be, as I said, uh, next Friday, the 15th at 6 p.m. at Trolley Stop Record Shop over on Classen. Trace, on you know? Penn. Oh, on, Penn. On oh, that's Penn. right. They, I'm sorry. They moved, and they're in the old Penn Theater, which is at 1212 North Penn. Um, it's just uh, across the street from Nick's, uh, yeah. more or less. And uh, You know where current studio is? It's kind of yeah. next door-ish. Um, and it's a cool little uh, venue, and we're excited to do that. Uh, I'll be moderating, and we'll work with uh, journalists to have questions for the two candidates, uh, Fred Durrell of Broken Arrow and Sam Misum of Tulsa. And we're excited to be able to put that on with Let's Fix This and a couple of other, our, our partner groups, Women Lead Oklahoma and Generation Citizen. And then I guess the next announcement yeah, go is, for it. Is, uh, is that after that, on uh, Saturday, June 23rd, at 2 p.m. at the Tower Theater on Northwest 23rd Street in Oklahoma City. Um, we are having a primary debate among the Republican candidates for Attorney General in the state of Oklahoma. Uh, Mike Hunter, who's the current Attorney General, who was appointed to that position in 2017, and then Gintner Drummond uh, is an attorney uh, from the northern part of the state, uh, uh, Pahuska area, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I guess I believe. And then... Um, uh, Angela Bonilla is a public defender uh, from, I believe, the Tulsa area. Mm-hmm. And uh, all three of those candidates are confirmed to be there at 2 o'clock on Saturday, June 23rd. So there's a lot going on that week. It's it's uh, Pride Weekend and other things, but uh, it'll be a good chance for people to hear from the candidates in what is a contentious GOP primary uh, for, for Attorney General, a, a very important job. And we're, you know, uh, very thrilled to have been able to find a date 
uh, any date that those candidates would yeah. would do a debate. It's, it's tough. It's, it's tough to get candidates. They've got busy schedules, especially on weekends, yeah. because they're out knocking doors and doing other events. And so this is a this is a big deal. This is a big race, and you don't often get to see attorney general debates. And Trace, I, you and I have said that we believe candidates should be forced, uh, required to stand on stage and face one another and face a bunch of people and be held accountable for their positions and answer questions and have that kind of public discourse. I think that's something that is that has fallen to the wayside, and I'm happy that we're doing it. Totally agree. I also just feel it needs to be said, if you're listening to this and you're a supporter of Gettner Drummond and you haven't made a sign that says, get on the Gettner, <laughs> you're failing at life. Like, you're, it, you're doing it wrong. Now, is Drummond, isn't the name of a city, a town in Oklahoma as well? Is there a Drummond? Yes, there is a Drummond. I feel like that's the most weather... Oklahoma weather name. Yes. That's pretty good. It was good. Um, I'm just saying, like, your campaign slogan should be get if on If his middle name is Val, like, getting her Val Drummond. Right. That's, yeah. That's, that would be pretty good. No, I, all jokes aside, you're exactly right. I mean, I think it was August of last year uh, that, uh, in, mm-hmm. in partnership between Nondoc, Let's Fix This, and a couple other groups, uh, we, we hosted a debate for Oklahoma County Sheriff. Um, went pretty well at the Tower Theater, who's been a great partner in this as well. Um, and, and going into 2018, we wanted to, to make an effort to have, to have several debates uh, for these important statewide offices. Um, if we had the ability, we'd have um, 50 of them for legislative seats, Congress, for all of those sorts of things. Uh, but, but right now, we've, we've, um, we've done one this, sex, this, uh, this, this uh, election cycle. And we're going to talk about that here in a minute. It was the Republican Labor Commissioner debate. Did mm-hmm. that a uh, couple days ago. And uh, we're now proud to present a Democratic one on June 15th and then uh, turn our attention to the Republican Attorney General's race uh, June 23rd. The winner of that race will face uh, a gentleman named Mark Miles, uh, who's the Democrat candidate um, in, in November. So mm-hmm. there's a lot, of, a lot of important races. And a lot of times these things kind of get you know, swept under the radar and it's just a TV ad. And as to your point, Andy, we think that candidates should, should have to stand out in front of the public and answer some, some questions. And we're not going to go, you know, attack them. Uh, but we do want to ask them some tough questions and, and, and make them, you know, say what they think to the public. Well, I think, you know, so many people don't, you get to the ballot box and you don't know who these people are on the ballot that you're looking at. And we're trying to shine a little, a little light on that and help people get to know them in a personal way. Um, I wish we could do it with judges. That's a much more difficult yeah. thing. Oh, uh, OK Policy has a great kind of overview of why the judicial races matter and kind of what each of the different district judges and whatever the, the things are, kind of what they do, because that's something that I admit I haven't finished reading it. I don't know all the answers yet. Debates are great, too, because I think that, you know, you can look at these, you know, and, and we'll talk about this, I think, in the context of this week's. Uh, labor commissioner debate, but you look at the candidates on paper and sometimes it can be kind of hard to delineate differences, right? Particularly when you're talking about a primary where they're running for a party nomination. Uh, But when you can get them on stage, sometimes you can really, you can, can get a chance to compare and contrast in a way that one, um, I I know for me kind of sticks with me more than it is, Mm -hmm. than it does if I just kind of compare their websites or read their, you know, read their position statements. But two, there's, I think, easy to kind of see subtle more subtle differences mm-hmm. that may not come out in, you know, campaign literature or prepared ads. So I think the more, I'm, I'm definitely a more debates are better. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. Because if you look back 60 years, 80 years, um, 
candidates had to go everywhere and they were often together and, and they were invited to places together to talk, um, or one right after the other. Yeah. Uh, and now they can, you know, largely if, if, if nobody forces their hand, um, they can just spend money on, on advertisements and not, not be forced to do that. And I think, you know, if we, Nondoc started in 2015 and, and that was, you know, something we've tried to do, right. Is that, is that left to their own devices, um, traditional media in our community have have long not forced the hand not forced the issue um, i remember uh hearing from campaigns who said well you know nobody will step up and sponsor it and so i think that you look at you know citizenship groups like let's fix this generation citizen women lead oklahoma you know i'm not sure any of those groups existed five years ago right mm-hmm. so um, you know, I think you've seen a, an uptick in that. And then hopefully, you know, in our job in media is to, to be able to there and be, be fair. And, and, um, that's, that's kind of the goal in, in that regard. Shall we get to it? We shall. Let's uh, take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to discuss the events of this week, namely the debate between the Republican candidates for labor commissioner. It was the only event. That's true. We're going to talk about it. We'll be right back. <laughs> Okay, we're back. Thanks. I feel like my mic is just maxed out today. I'm trying to adjust it. We had a lot of uh, audio issues. If you're listening to this and it sounds like crap, I apologize. My computer, for no reason, would not recognize microphones this week. Yeah, and this isn't my podcast, so I don't really feel bad. Trace is off the hook. <laughs> yeah, I'm off the Scott, hook. Scott got his I'm just here, his out, and was ready to go. And then uh, five then bottles of whiskey in front of me. Uh, <laughs> It's is that Friday. okay to talk about? Is that oh yeah, dude? Oh, okay, we, they they right. know. Most people let's, know. Let's yeah. fix this drink. Yeah, that's right. They know. They know. Well, and you guys could have a cocktail hour. We, well, we fundraiser. I mean, had, I know you had did. it. But Capital crawls. Like, you, yeah. you were there. I know. <laughs> <laughs> We've done it a time. That's, or two. De- that's debatable. <laughs> that's debatable. I remember. I remember standing out in the in the Paseo on the corner of a street with a, a high level Politico chain smoking uh, cigarettes. Uh, not me. He was. Uh, after one of your events, so that, really? yeah, that was pretty good. Interesting. I'm curious to find out who that was. I'm not going to say it on <laughs> on the air. The off air, the, yeah, off the air. All right, so let's uh, jump into it. So this week on Wednesday night, we had, as we just mentioned, a debate among the Republican candidates for labor commissioner. Um, it was uh, hosted by Nondoc and us and Women Lead and Generation Citizen and the Tower Theater uh, with some great sponsors. It was really well attended. I was impressed for yeah. a Wednesday night. A lot of a lot of people there. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the candidates, or two of the candidates, I would say at least, brought really strong contingents of support with them, um, which you would expect. But there were also there were a lot of people there that were just wanted to kind of hear and learn and you know get a sense of who these folks are and what they're about. Yeah, yeah. we so, we have a little uh, recap on nondoc.com, and we're hoping to get the video uh, done in the next uh, few days. So people can check that out, too, if they missed it. Um, the candidates were Kathy Costello, who is a, a businesswoman and former educator and uh, the wife of the late Mark Costello. Um, who previous was, labor commissioner. Previous labor commissioner. And then uh, State Representative Leslie Osborne, also a, a businesswoman, uh, a former state appropriations, uh, how, in the House anyway, chairwoman. And then Keith Swinton, who uh, works at the... Um, I, I'm just going to call it the Postal Training Center down yeah. in Norman because I grew up in Norman and that's what it'll always be to me. But I think it's the National Center for Workforce Development or something like that. But he works there and... and uh, he also has... 
he when he introduced himself and kind of was giving his spiel about like this is what I do. He also mentioned that he is an inventor and an entrepreneur, and I, I think is trying to become a member of the National uh, Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences. I think he was interested in that. He's, he's um, got the cowboy hat for he it. He does. And I just, to to all of you out there listening, um, this is not important, but if any of you have time and know how to find this out, I would like to know what Keith Swinton has invented. I we could I think you, I think patents are public records, so we yeah. could probably fire up one of these fine computers around here, and I'm, maybe in our next uh, break, we <laughs> like I just I mean I just because he threw that in there, yeah. Like, every, they were all kind of talking, and he was like, "I'm Keith Swinton, and I work at the training center, and I'm an inventor." And I was like, "Oh, that's you just don't hear that every day." He no. invented a, a I, I'm guessing he invented a combination hard hat cowboy hat. Ooh, I think that would be. And if that doesn't exist already, if he didn't, like you should. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we could really sell that. <laughs> We'd make a bajillion. I think it exists, but if not, Does we should it? definitely look in for it. I'm yeah. looking right. to it. You guys talk about what your thoughts were on the debate, <laughs> and I'm going to Google that. Trace is going to Google hard hat cowboy hat. I will. Um, I'll kind of come finish that in the, setting the stage. So it's the three candidates. Uh, the format was uh, we had uh, Trace here was moderating moderating the debate with questions delivered by three local journal- journalists. We had Aaron Brillbeck from News 9, mm-hmm. Brianna Bailey mm-hmm. from Tulsa. She's the with the Frontier. And then we had Claire, Claire Donnelly. Donnelly from KGOU. Uh, so uh, they presented the questions. Trace was kind of moderating and keeping everybody on, on task on stage. Um, general format, there were a few rounds of questions. Uh, each candidate would get an opening statement and then in each round uh, candidate would get a question and the other two candidates would have an opportunity to respond and rebut uh, with a little bit varying kind of time lengths depending on which round of questions we were in. Right, right. Um, and I tell me what you guys think if this is too kind of like in the weeds. To me, there's kind of a couple ways to look at this in terms of uh, analysis, I guess. Um, one is certainly like kind of the substance and the merits of like what did you know, what did they say and answer to the, how did they answer the question on policy and substance? But then I think the other kind of thing is um, what's, what's the politics of their answer? You know what I mean? Like, um, cause this is a, I mean, it's, it's political, right? Like they're running for the Republican nomination for labor commissioner. So I think there's a question of what's the policy, but then there's a question of how does that policy play with the people specifically registered Republicans in Oklahoma who are going to be voting on these candidates. Yeah. Maybe let's, before we get into the specifics of their responses, uh, Trace, can you tell us a little bit about what the labor commissioner does? Sure. Well, the labor commissioner for $22.77 each can buy a polyethylene hard hat cowboy hat (laughs) on gamut.com, G-A-M-U-T.com. So with that said, uh, let's talk about what the labor commissioner does. The labor commissioner uh, functionally is the head of the Department of Labor, um, which uh, covers a a lot of uh, things from regulation of uh, everything from boilers to asbestos abatement to elevator inspections to amusement ride inspections, um, but also uh, deals with um, disputes over uh, payment, labor disputes. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if, let's say, you have a, you've left a job and your final paycheck, there's a dispute over that paycheck, you're not right. getting it, you can go file um, at the labor department to have them help you know, mediate and, and, and presumably get you that, uh, that pay. And a lot of people, I've, I actually 
in just the past couple of days after the debate, have had multiple people say, hey, you know what, I, I work, uh, I did that, I had to do that, and then the Labor Department, uh, you know, really helped me out. Hmm. So um, that's, that's you know, one thing they do. Um, they also, um, they deal with a lot of uh, occupational licensure, and then we, we'll probably sort of get into that when we talk about yeah. the specific questions, because um, the labor, the current commissioner of labor, Melissa Houston, uh, who is a, a friend of mine, um, a good dancer, by the way, just if it's out there, her, her husband, we're old friends. And anyway, um, he, he can, fl- he can flip someone over his arm, like a swing dance, like a, kinda. like a total flip. He flipped an ex-girlfriend of mine over in my living room. <laughs> um, the whole thing was frightening to watch, but, um, anyway, but no, they're great people. And, uh, the, the current she she was put uh, as the head of a occupational licensure task force in 2016 and that task force was trying to get a handle on the whole issue of licensure so you you got you gentlemen are both licensed right. I think I'm the only yeah. one that's not licensed uh, or bonded um, <laughs> but uh, you you know you guys have your own boards that you go to and they're under their own places and they have some of them have their own buildings and some of them have their own funds that so, get swept by the legislature. Yeah. So this is like just so everybody's kind of clear what Trace is talking about. This is like um, my license to like my medical license is subject to the authority of the Oklahoma Board of Medical Licensure and Supervision. That's who uh, grants my license. That's who I have to reapply for my license with every year and renew. Um, there's a, a similar board like for nursing. There's the board. What's the behavioral health behavioral yes. health board? And so I was getting my CEUs this morning. Yeah. Yeah. I have to renew mine this month. There so for the most part, if you have an occupation in Oklahoma that requires a license of some kind, there is probably a board or commission, not all of them, but there are many boards and commissions that administer those. And when you say many, we mean hundreds. Many. Yes. <laughs> yeah. like there lots. are bananas yeah. numbers of licensing boards out there. But and this, ha- hair so, braiding is one. Right. Uh, well, you have esthetician, you have... Um, a, you know, alarm and locksmiths board is really one of the big ones that's under the Department of Labor, and, yeah. and so so you have um, some very specific duties uh, within the Department of Labor and under the, the Commissioner of Labor's uh, jurisdiction, and so that was sort of the second round of our questions, and we kind of did the longer answers in there, but but then you also have that position is sort of a uh, bully pulpit, if you will, mm-hmm. um, that is uh, afforded an opportunity to kind of push for policy ideas um and so i think maybe that's a good place to start because that was kind of our first um uh, that was that was sort of one of our one of our categories and and uh you know i think kathy costello the big takeaway and was that um she's very big pushing mental health care which is sort of convenient that we maybe started talking about this and she she talked a lot and has talked a lot throughout the campaign trail i don't think it was a surprise to anybody yeah that she spoke a lot on the need for mental health to be considered a workforce issue as well because it disrupts um, uh, businesses, it, dr- it disrupts ind- families, it, 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 it affects an individual's ability to do uh, you know, their best, right. uh, their behavior, their emotional state, their thinking. That's sort of the acronym I, I like to use. And so she mentioned this in terms of how do we Im- improve mental health care access. Now, I-, I thought it was interesting that if you're going to talk a lot about that, um, if that's going to be maybe your main thing, I didn't hear the the acronym EAP or the bigger phrase Employment Assistance Program. Right. I didn't hear that said once. No. Nor did 
nor did we hear ODMHSAS. Right. And that's one of the, so Andy and I were talking kind of after the debate. um, And that's one of the things that I know you were struck by Andy was that um, Ms. Costello was talking about, you know, mental health is kind of one of her, one of the main issues that she would be tasked that she would want to pursue as labor commissioner. Um, But, you know, you brought up the point that there's literally a whole like, government agency in Oklahoma that does that Oklahoma department of mental health and substance abuse services. Um, an agency that has been, I think many folks would say sorely lacking in funding. And so there's like a question, I think a legitimate question comes up that says, is that really like the purview of the labor commissioner to be so interested in mental health when there's like another government agency that does that? And I think that's a great point, but I think that there's, also, I think that you can come back and say, according to the Oklahoma State Constitution and Title 40, which outlines what the labor commissioner does, the labor commissioner is supposed to foster, promote, and develop the welfare of the wage earners of the state. And so I think her position is that trying to work on mental health would fall within that kind of legal obligation of the labor commissioner. Yeah, I think that's true, and I and I think it would be hard to argue otherwise. Again, I mean, we talked about a bully pulpit. The, the idea is that this is a a position that is elected by the people, um, and and I should say one of the reasons we wanted to have a debate for this is because a lot of people don't have any idea what yeah. the heck they do, you know. Right. And so, um, so I think that I I don't know anybody who would really argue that that a labor commissioner wouldn't have the authority to go out and have some creative programs and efforts to increase mental health access or mental health awareness sure break down the stigma right. that we talked about and certainly you know we'd be remiss not to mention that obviously Ms. Costello uh, has you know firsthand uh, knowledge of yeah. that her, her uh, one of her sons um, has a uh, psychosis uh, inducing condition yeah um, and is in uh, going to be in state custody for a long time because he he uh, unfortunately killed her husband and his father. Um, so she certainly understands this as well yeah. as, if not, you know, better than most people, right? So, but at the same time, I, I think that, you know, that's where you get into this political thing, right? Like, right. it's one thing to stand up there and and talk about mental health, um, but from a, you know, those, are, because I think all three of us, you know, certainly have mental yeah. health in our, in, our, in our work, one way or the other. You know, I, I didn't hear a specific idea i didn't Correct. hear a yep. i didn't hear okay only 20 percent of oklahoma uh, employers with with right. 10 or more people mm-hmm. have an eap right now totally so agree. we're going to set a goal that in the end of my first year we're up to 20 percent or 50 and you right. know and some of that is 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 artful politicking as well too i mean but but i didn't i didn't know exactly what um now, now I, I will say she did say she was going to set up the costello commission yeah on on mental health but um, I think that was maybe about as specific kind of a task force as it, as thing. It yeah, we talked yeah. about that afterwards. And um, when I told her I was, an, I was an LPC, she was like, oh, great. Well, you know, maybe, Lord willing, if I'm elected, you could serve on that. I was like, well, we can cross that bridge right. when we come to right. it. But right. um, I appreciate anybody in any position discussing the issue of mental health because that's yeah. kind of my bailiwick. Yeah. Yeah, but, I think that was good. Um, on the other hand, so let's, so let's kind of be fair. I, I think that Representative Osborne, um, you know, I know in personal conversations with her, frankly, uh, that she's also an advocate for, yes. for mental health care. Yes. Um, but I, th- she, she sort of had a little different 
tact, I think, in the debate. I, I, I felt like she had studied a lot of, she rattled off some statute right. stuff, mm-hmm. which, you know, I think, impre- like, I think, ooh, we, you know, we like that, but I don't know to, to how much the public is just thrilled. Well, shoot, she said the statute number, like, she knew it on the back right. of her hand, so well, I'll I, vote for her, but. I, I think maybe what was, to me, what, what people who may, I mean, even people who may not follow this as closely, the thing that they were perhaps could be a little more impressed with is that not only did she know the statues, but she made a point of saying, I wrote some of them. You know what I mean? It's not just yeah. that I know the laws that pertain to the labor department. It's that, uh, there's a, f- a fair number of them that I have authored while I've been in the legislature for the last 10 years. And so I know this, I know this agency in and out because I've been part of the body that oversees it for the last 10 years. Yeah. And I, and I think that both as a result, both she and, uh, Ms. Costello, you know, both came off as pretty knowledgeable. Yeah. I mean, I thought that they really, uh, both, you know, seemed like they certainly have a grasp of, of a lot of the issues and, and some of that, you know, uh, and this is not to, to toot our horn in the way we, we made the questions, but I think we did craft the questions in a way that no matter what the answers of the candidates were going to be, we were trying to help educate the audience and the public about Mm -hmm. what the commissioner of labor does, what the department of labor does. And I was impressed, I think in the answers that it didn't seem like anybody was really caught off guard by that. They both, both of the, the two uh, female candidates seemed very, prepared to talk about those things and i think there was even a little maybe debate between the two of them on like a date that something happened in yeah. the 80s or something right, you know right, what i mean so yeah, like they right. like something they both nuanced, knew it yeah. so well they wanted to to get in that you know i think mr swinton he exhibited uh, a knowledge base uh maybe more from working in a labor field yeah um but i'm i'm not sure he exhibited as much knowledge about the maybe statutory obligations of the agency. Yeah, I think he definitely brings kind of a different uh, a different set of skills to the uh, to the office and and he would say as much. I mean, when he got up to give his opening statements, he said, right. "Well, I've never really spoken public before. This might have been a bad idea." And yeah. uh, <laughs> and I think he won over um, uh, a lot of folks at least in in heart or in spirit because he is the I mean, he's the definition of a, a citizen that saw a need and decided to run for office and that as we've talked about before takes guts right. and uh and to stand on stage with someone who's been an elected representative for a decade and someone else who has uh intimate knowledge of this position from her when her husband was there um that is that i think that takes some courage and some yeah guts. and i yeah i commend him for showing up it's funny you know when they when they got up to give their opening statements um uh you know, Miss Costello, uh, she got up and she had some notes prepared. I mean, she was it was clear that she had kind of a goal like this is what I'm gonna say. Um, and then Mr. Swinton gave his opening statement, and I just I I wrote down uh, when he approached the microphone, I said, "Speaking without notes, interesting," <laughs> because that either means that he like knows exactly what he wants to say and is prepared to deliver it, or it means that he's never done this before and does not really have an opening statement prepared. And we're just going to kind of see what happens. I would say it was mainly the latter. Um, he's, he kind of just talked to him about, you know, I'm, 
I'm an average guy. Uh, I drive a Dodge, uh, and I'm all of his friends drive Chryslers, right? All my yeah. friends drive Chryslers. He said. I thought, but I I was so confused because I thought Chrysler owns Dodge, right. so I didn't know. I maybe I the joke a, is a little dated. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think it is. No. I think it's yeah. like a Chevy versus Cadillac right. kind of uh, debate. Um, but anyway, and then you know, uh, Representative Osborne was the last to go, and she got up, and she also didn't have notes, but having seen her speak many times and it was you know it was clear and that was clear uh on wednesday night like she had a statement prepared and she just she was ready to get up and say it she did say i i spoke to her briefly before the debate uh and she said you know i haven't done a debate like this in more than 10 years and so sure even someone who's you know been on the floor of the house of representatives and, and where debate is not really debate well that's true yeah <laughs> Usually I talk at people and they're on their phone. That's what right. she's saying. But I think, um, you know, as someone who is an experienced public speaker, um, she that comment kind of showed that she was still at least a little bit nervous yeah. about it. So. Well, and I think that's, you know, let's let's go back to the broader, we're talking about the debates we're working on. You know, we, we intentionally are calling them debates. We're, we're not calling them forums. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we are attempting to... Uh, have candidates have a little bit of back and forth and you know i think you guys saw that that myself and and aaron brillbeck a little bit uh you know kind of pressed the candidates a little Mm -hmm. bit and made sure they answered the the questions and that's a little different than a forum um and i do want to you know maybe that's an important time to clarify um that when we're doing these primary debates right like there's a reason that there were only the three gop candidates on that stage and there's a reason there'll only be the two democratic candidates on june 15th and there's a reason there'll only be the three attorney general candidates who are republicans on the 23rd because this is a primary election debate it it, it, a forum would be saying well we're going to talk about these issues and we're going to go down the line and nobody gets to really reply and everybody gets to do their thing and it's very secure and stuff like that and you know, gubernatorial candidates have done a thousand of those, right. um, you know, so far. But uh, the idea of a debate where you're being pressed by journalists, I think, is really, really important. And so as we yeah. move forward uh, into the, the runoff, presumably for, for governor, uh, for the general election, for all these things, you know, um, mark it down. We're going to be trying to, to ensure a lot of debates. We may not get every one of them uh, just because of we all have things to do and mm-hmm. it's hard to do. But, um, you know, people need to have a debate, not just a forum. Right. And I think it, um, I put this on Facebook, that it, uh, doing a primary debate that is just among members of the same, of one party at a time, allows voters of that party to compare apples to apples uh, more than apples to oranges, right? Or, you know. Apples to blueberries, I guess, to stick with the partisan colors. But that sounds uh, like something someone said on the podcast last week. Did you say that? Yes, I said that's <laughs> why I find primaries more interesting than uh. the general election debates because in general election debates, particularly for you know kind of higher offices, right? You know, I think if if um, a a typical Democrat and a typical Republican running for governor in Oklahoma, I think a person in Oklahoma who is reasonably engaged could probably be probably predict what the candidates might say on a whole host of issues because mm-hmm. Republicans tend to think right. certain ways and Democrats tend to think certain ways. But when you get candidates from the same party and stick them next to each other, they're all running uh, ostensibly on the same general platform, right? Because they're all vying for the party's right. nomination. Right. So how do you differentiate yourself among other people who are kind of 
as a general rule, believe the same things that you do. Right. To me, that's just, um, it's just a little bit more interesting and can make for kind of a rowdier debate. I, but, and the, the difference in that would be something like a, an open primaries or a jungle primary, which right. we've, we've discussed. Hashtag previously. California. Hashtag yeah, California. Hashtag Louisiana. You know, yeah. I was playing that Sammy Kershaw song before we started recording, and he was almost lieutenant governor of the state of Louisiana in a jumble primary. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so there's your there's your Sammy Kershaw fact of the day. His, <laughs> he was running on the campaign slogan, uh, Working Woman's Holiday, which is one of his songs you can YouTube. <laughs> this reminds me of when, uh, um, oh, who's the guy that ran in Texas? Um, um, keep it, keep Keep ta- Austin weird, Kiki Friedman. Kiki Friedman. Yes, Kiki Friedman with the his tag. At least the one that I saw was just vote Kinky. Why the hell not? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Both vote vote Keith Swinton. I guess why the hell not? No, I mean because, and I think you know. Again, I think there are a lot of important managerial issues uh, in that job that mm-hmm. maybe we don't always we don't always see. Do you guys want to, were there any questions that stood, answers that stood out to you? I was going to suggest maybe, um, just kind of briefly, um, go, let's go through each one of the rounds, kind of what was the question? What do people say? And then kind of commentary as we see fit. Does seem reasonable. I was on the account of time. Let's not do all the questions. Yeah. Let's do one of each. Let's do face. Let's do one from each okay, round. Also, not all <laughs> questions. Maybe, yeah. Because um, some um, of them, like, you know, question two is about if it should be an elected position or right. reappointed, and they all were like, no, it should be elected. Well, and I thought that was really interesting. Um, I, I wasn't sure that... I thought that could have gone either way, right? I thought there could have been some folks who said, you know what, um, we, we don't need to be doing this. I'm, I'm running right. for this seat, but I've, I'll, I'll support making it appointed. Um, right. But I thought the answer to me that stuck out there was when Keith Swinton talked about how he has a friend in Wisconsin who works in labor, and he said that you know that that friend of his yeah. perception was that the appointed position was sort of a, um, a, a a gift in return for somebody who was a big donor, right? And that in fact it meant there was no accountability. Um, and I think you know Oklahoma government. I think we've seen some state agencies where there's been a lack of accountability from people who've been appointed, right? So, hashtag health. Hashtag, yeah. Um, hash, hashtag tourism. Yeah. So, so uh, the, you know, I, I, uh, agriculture, uh, the, <laughs> just name all the agencies. Um, well, but, you know, Oklahoma's populist roots, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, this wasn't always right. a, there was a time in which this was an appointed position. I mean, up until, I mean, in terms of the history of the state, relatively recently, right? It was 60s or 70s yeah, I th- when it became... It was seven, 1979 when it became less. Now, I'm, I'm unclear. I think it might have been elected before. I think it might have gone back and forth a couple yeah, of times. But yeah. most recently in 1979, I think it was a state question that made it elected again. Um, and I you know, I think that's that's interesting, right? Is that, that maybe people do have a um, an interest in... Uh, having an, an, an elected an, an opportunity to throw right. to throw the bums out as the as the right. phrase goes and um, you know I think that in uh, I guess it would have been 2010 no wait two, I'm sorry 2006 um, Lloyd Fields was the elected right. uh, labor commissioner and then in in 2010 lost to Mark Costello and in the meantime had had a series of sort of public debacles. 
um, with with the Public Employees Association and um, stealing a guy's guitar or something like I can't remember the exact specifics, but you know, so I, I think that not, not to say that a, a an appointed position wouldn't have been removed for, for that sort of behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I suppose there is a, a justification for for having it elected. Yeah, I mean, I think it struck me as just a quintessentially Oklahoman thing to say, right? Like we are populist. We would elect the dog catcher if that was an elected right. position. I think there's at least the belief that if the power to choose is in the hands of the people, then it, even if they choose poorly or not the way I would decide, at least it wasn't just some kind of nepotism-induced appointment. Right, which is, I think, a very it is a very noble idea. Um, it also, though, you know, kind of goes... I mean, and this is something, Andy, you and I have talked about before, right? Like, one of the things that irks me is when politicians say that, like, their, you know, like their whole reason for running is like, well, we just need common sense. Um, I mean, yes, common, common sense. Yes. Co- well, first of all, you can debate how common common sense is. But, right, like, so the Labor Department is in charge of enforcing regulations and safety and, you know, regulating occupational hazards for all of the wagers or wage earners in the state of Oklahoma. Maybe there's a common sense way to do that. But... I think probably it requires a like fair amount of expertise and political savvy and like management managerial expertise. Like it's not a thing that just because just because you are a sharp intelligent person that doesn't mean that you automatically possess the skill set. And there are other times where something that seems like it's common sense, right? Actually when you kind of go further doesn't make sense at all intuitive yeah yeah and so and so that's that's kind of i guess i would push back not so much on you but on the candidates a little bit not to say that not to say that this should be an appointed position but i think you can make an argument that when a position is appointed in theory at least they have the and this is part of the reason why we appoint judges instead of elect them they have the independence and ability to pursue good policy without having to worry about the political ramifications. Well, we, we do elect plenty of judges, well, which is right. also awkward. It's weird. It's, right. And, and I think that that's a whole other thing for another time. Let me, let me say this. Maybe we can go on to the next question. Uh, there's a great John Prine song called Common Sense, and he says, uh, it don't make no sense that common sense don't make no sense no more. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, okay, the next question, since apparently we can't do all the questions because somebody has to go to Dead Center. Are you going to... Well, I just don't want our listeners to be here all night. <laughs> yeah, and they can watch the video. Yeah, they can watch. Yeah, they can. They can watch that. And are you doing a blog post of this? Uh, I sure can. Point? Yeah, okay, that'd be yeah. tremendous. Yeah, I can do that. So um, there was a question, uh, and I don't have the exact wording of the question, but essentially it was um, the task force that uh, Trace had mentioned earlier had made some recommendations about centralizing a number of boards, commissions, and agencies and kind of putting all of those under one umbrella at the Department of Labor to eliminate some of these licensure boards and committees and commissions. And the question is, essentially, to the candidates was, should we, like, do that? Um, Or should we, kind of, what's the best way to approach all of these? Uh, Ms. Costello, basically, her thought was that not all licenses reflect a certain level of education, training, or certifications. Um, And so because of that she was in favor of kind of keeping like making licensure more centralized rather than uh, having as many agencies and committees uh representative osborne 
she said, yes, keep the central licensing authority. However, she said, you know, for instance, there are certain boards, um, and I'll just use my own profession because it's the one that I know best, um, the Oklahoma Board of Medical Licensure and Supervision. Uh, Representative Osborne cited that as an example, saying maybe it's best to keep licensing authority for doctors in the hands of doctors as opposed to directly in the hands of the Department of Labor. And she mentioned a Senate bill by Senators Pugh and Senator Mike Osborne that would basically take a look at all of these. Every agency that grants licenses would be reviewed every four years and kind of determined how, you know, uh, necessary it still is. Um, did to interject real quick, did Miss Costello also mention that there is a board for those who sell bunk beds? Yeah, she said something about bunk beds, and I, I haven't don't, had a chance to research we need to, that. We, we should look that up and I'll maybe Google include that. that in your in, in, your the, thing. in, in the in and, the blog post. And Swinton sort of, I think he sort of threaded the needle. I don't remember exactly what he said off the top of my head, but well, he so he basically said, I don't think that centralized licensure, like. He was just, he didn't really address that part of the question, but there was a second part of the question yeah. that well, dealt with. Yeah, let, so let's yeah let's, let's, get it, okay. let's get to the second part of that question uh, too. I think you picked the the right question of the of the three in that round. Um, so on the on the licensure under one agency thing, you know I think that this is a really good example of how sometimes people will talk about the need for reforming government and then. It becomes hard or any sort of reform. It's always going to, somebody's going to be mad. And especially if maybe if you are an elected person, um, it is harder to actually do that reform because you don't want to make the uh, alarm and locksmith board mad. You don't want to make everybody who's in that industry mad against you. You don't want to make the firefighters mad. You don't want to make these people mad. If you're in a appointed position, what do you care? You're going to do what you think is best for the state. And the other part of that is too, or I shouldn't say the other part, something goes along with that is a lot of these boards, I don't know about the alarm or the hair braiding commission, but there are, there are some of these boards where to serve on that border commission pays like a, a a pretty good amount of money. Um, Like it's, it's a, it's, so, so there are people who sit on these boards and commissions who don't want to see that, you know, right. source of revenue or that in, income go away. Well, and a lot, and the and a lot of the licenses get caught up into the board. So, I mean, the board of medical supervision, you know, has a has a a fund yeah. that, you know, their fees and penalties right. and these things go to, um, and, and occasionally get swept by the legislature, or maybe they go build a new building. And they get to do so. There's a there's a lot of that as well. You know, you said something interesting, and I and I you, you and I might have slightly different opinions about this. Um, have you been to the the medical licensure board? Uh, thankfully, not recently. <laughs> there you go. Right. <laughs> I, I, you, you don't want to show up. I didn't. Uh, the only time I went was uh, uh, when I finished uh, medical school and then applied for my initial license. We had to go like I had to go drop something off, but I have I have no. I have never had to appear before the medical board. Good. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Knock on wood. That that's, you the, don't. that's the only time I've ever been to their building. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, so, but I, I think it's important to note that, and I and I think they do a pretty good job. I mean, Lyle Kelsey, Kelsey's a real good guy, and and they've got staff that does that, and I think the staff that runs these things is really well. But I, I've always found those boards to, you know, at the end of the day, uh, they're not practicing medicine. I right. mean, this is not a this is this does not nothing in medical school teaches you to operate a, an occupational licensing uh, board or to be a member of that. 
and fr- functionally, um, if we are talking about common sense sorts of things, right. um, you, you can have a lot of common sense. They, most of these boards, frankly, have a, a lay member. They, they typically have one member who's not a pharmacist or dentist or optometrist or nurse right. or whatever it is. And yet the boards are, because the membership goes, comes and goes, and most people, if you were added to this board tomorrow, right. you probably wouldn't know mostly what the hell's going on for right. your first five or six meetings. So they rely a lot on staff as it is anyway. Yeah. Um, and, and yet there becomes, I think, I, I've, you know, personally having worked in healthcare, there is a big argument to be made that um, these boards often become comical. Sure. Um, sure. I, I mean, I remember uh, telling the head of the optometry board uh, that he, that I was hoping to help him create this new license that the legislature had had uh, instructed him to do, and and I've told the story many times, and he's a nice guy. He, I don't think he's still the head of it, but um, this is this is you know damn near ten years ago. Uh, he goes, his reaction was, "Well, I don't think we want to do that." And I was like, "Well, with all due respect, sir, I." you have to do that. The legislature has passed a bill directing you to do this. And he goes, well, I don't think we want to do that. And I said, well, why don't you go talk to your attorney right? <laughs> and find out like what your options are. What your are recourse here. is, yeah. And so I say all that where, you know, sometimes it can become protectionist. Sure. Um, and and so let's say a, I'll give you an example. Uh, the, the, the alarm and locksmith board had attempted to uh, create a, a new, so some guys had created a company where they had they were reprogramming key fobs on cars. So if you sell your car, Andy, to Scott, and so Scott gets the car and he goes down to this company and they reprogram that car for a new key fob so that Andy's key fob doesn't work anymore, mm-hmm. right? So these guys were all of a sudden ruled by this uh, alarm and locksmith board that they needed to pass the locksmith examiner test exam to get licensed to, to run their company. and um, Because it's a lock. Right. Because it's a lock. But no key. And yeah. they, right. And they couldn't pass a, Locks- a, right. a locksmith yeah. exam. I mean, these guys are programmers. They don't know how to open right. a safe from 1930, you know. Right. And so, you know, you get, you have to have, you know, so so I think, I don't I don't know exactly what happened, but. The point was is that left to their own devices, oftentimes industries and people who've been in the oh, industry sure. they for want a to long protect their own will yeah. protect their own, yeah. right? And um, you know, so the idea that the, the 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 dental board or the pharmacy board or the optometry board or the medical board or the nursing board, the idea that, that they have the public's best interest in mind is yeah, that's a great idea, sure. but I'm not sure it always plays out in that realm because they're they're very personally invested in in that in that area, so I sure. I think that that's to me I think that that's why it's a really interesting discussion, uh, and nobody really got into that. Nobody wanted to go yeah. there, especially because yeah. you had a room full of firefighters and right. other people and labor and stuff right. like that. But I, I I think that that's a really interesting question. No, I think you're right, and I and I I think you make a great point, and certainly it's one that needs to be, you know, yeah. I mean, I think you I think you make a great point. I think that, and again, I can only speak to medicine because that's the only you know, thing I deal with, but, um, at least in that context, um, you know, I think, I don't think that necessarily you need a medical board of doctors to determine whether a person who has graduated from an accredited medical school and passed their board exams, like 
that person is going to be granted a license to practice and they should like, that's a, you know, a, a straightforward decision, I think for the most part. Um, I, th- I wonder though, if when it comes to professions and I mean, again, maybe this is all professions, but I know certainly with mine, I think that where it does get a little bit trickier is I don't know that we want when it comes to things like, um, you know, when a doctor is doing something like if a doctor is being accused of misconduct of some kind or, you know, practicing outside their scope or, you know, practicing uh, below the standard of care. Um, I don't know that I, I think that those decisions might be more nuanced. And I think that I think that in those cases, you do need people that are experts like because that does become a question of practicing medicine right yeah, like yeah. that that does become a question of like looking at a specific situation and saying where does this kind of fall like there aren't necessarily black and white no doubt lines. but but here's but here's the and this is where the i think this is the gray area where we're talking about is is that sure you you may we may definitely want a committee of professionals in that health field to be the ones uh, making determinations of scope of practice violations or all those sorts of things. That doesn't mean that we need to have a specific paid executive staff for that committee. That's, that's or fair. that that committee needs to have its own building with its own fee yeah. structure yeah, board. And, and I mean, and so, so if we have literally hundreds of, of these, these types of sure. situations, um, it, it also from a, from a, an efficiency standpoint is that if if we're the medical board or, or the alarm board or whatever, and we're going to go out and we're going to say, okay, we're going to try to put in a computer system that makes you be able to do all this online, right? Right. right. Um, if we have one, you know, we have ten thousand people we regulate, and we have you know this small agency or, or whatever, um, our purchasing power, I mean, is just is minuscule. Sure. And then we may go pick one vendor, and then another board may go pick another vendor, and then they're different things, and it's different, you know, and they don't talk to each other. Right. Um. So I so I think that there's an, that element of it too, where, you know, if the state is trying to get to a system where in 2018 or maybe 2020 or whatever we can access this data. And we can go online and renew our licenses and, and do all this sort of stuff. It's obviously going to be much more difficult um, to justify to 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 have a yeah. hundred plus groups yeah. doing that as opposed to one. Sure. Now, I, I'm. It sounds like I'm arguing for that. I'm not necessarily arguing for it. I'm making the case for people yeah. who do believe you're being an independent journalist. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm making I'm making the case that if you go read the report that that task force that we started right. this question about that was these are the justifications that they have for mm-hmm. a centralization of this because it's just these old fiefdoms and it's really hard to know what each of them is doing sure so the second part of that question i know Se- we've got very little yeah time. how are we on time we'll be quick the second part of that question was um should there be th- th- that task force um oh. said to re-examine uh whether felonies should prohibit people from obtaining yeah, right. licenses and I, I thought there, you know, everybody sort of, I think Kathy Costello mentioned, um, you know, if you had a DUI, you know, 10 years ago, or you had a, a felony possession of marijuana 10 years ago, should you, you should be allowed to be a barber, all those sorts of things. Right. And I think Kathy Costello, I mean, I'm sorry, Leslie Osborne made a really interesting point, which was that, you know, 
yes, definitely we should, we should, you know, drug possession, uh, you know, we should, we should look at that for, for all these sorts of things. Although, you know, we need to be case right. by case because maybe you don't want somebody who has multiple felony convictions for uh, selling drugs to be a pharmacy a tech. pharmacist. Yeah. A right. pharmacy tech. So, and then, and, and I think, and I think that's probably the best way to, to summarize that. Like, so, you know, Miss Costello basically said, like, we need to kind of, my takeaway was we need to get away with this ban on felons um, because they can't get within the skilled labor workforce. And we have all these felons that can't work. And we also have a massive shortage of skilled labor right. for certain positions in Oklahoma. Like, this doesn't make any sense. Representative Osborne said, yeah, I agree with that to a point, but it needs to be more nuanced. And basically, you have to deal with each trade on a kind right. of individual. Which is liberal to me that's level. the point of a lot of yeah. these boards is to review these things i right. mean i know for the counseling board every meeting they have they have to review people that are well applying for a new license yeah. That, yeah. you know whatever uh corrective action has been taken against them um mr swinton's answer to that question was everyone deserves a second chance and that's what he said <laughs> i do want to before we get out of here i know we are like right at the very end i do think that there are a couple other things that are just worth putting out there um there was a question. Um, one of the last questions was essentially um, sh- the labor department has really had a hard time struggling. Uh, like they've really been struggling to keep staff and train staff. And one of the questions about that was, should we Ray, like, should they have higher salaries? Oh, um, and not and just them, but like public employees, public employees in general. Right. And, and I think that the reason I bring that question up is because um, I think that honestly, when we talk about Miss um, Costello and Miss, uh, Representative Osborne, this was the issue on which, to me, they had the most distinctly different answers out of um, any question of the night. Miss um, Costello basically said um, she she took the only shot of the night. She said, "Well, maybe the uh, maybe the uh, House, the uh, A and B committee, needs to appropriate them more money." Um, it was a very delicate <laughs> shot. Though. It was like I like it, like yeah. I had to go back and like kind of remake it for her. Right? Like, <laughs> oh I, I, I was like, "Oh, Representative Osborne, this is what was said." So, um, so she said she said that, and then. Um, but she also said the department needs to be efficient and they need to use the resources that they have, which I don't think anyone would disagree with that. It also didn't really answer the question. Like, should they have more resources? Um, and I don't feel like we got a great answer from her. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas uh, Representative Osborne, she came out and she, I think, made a, a, a passionate and very eloquent case for raising state employee pay across the board. Um, she said, you know, state employees um, in Oklahoma are about 50% of private sector uh, equivalent. And that really makes it hard to get good people and keep good people. Um, and it also, even though we're only paying half uh, what the private sector does, it actually costs us way more money because every time you let someone go or someone quits to take another job, when you rehire somebody, you have to train that person. Mm-hmm. So uh, she had mentioned that there was a bill she ran trying to get uh, public employee pay up to like 90%, I think, of mm-hmm. private sector pay and said that if we did that, even though we would pay more, we would actually save that. I mean, she said we'd save that investment in like two years or something Whoa. just on costs like reduced cost of rehiring and retraining. So I can see that like I've hired two new staff in the past month and you know, I'm not exactly a public employee, but, um, but man, it just, I pretty much had to set aside my entire schedule for yeah. like two weeks, right? you know, a week with each person just to get them like 30% up to speed so that I can hand them off to someone else. And it takes right. a, I forget every time how much time and effort it takes to get someone onboarded. Right. 
And I thought that was I thought that was an interesting question too because Representative Osborne specifically made the case. She said, you know, I I don't know how well this plays in a Republican primary, but um, this is how I feel. Like <laughs> like we need to pay our state employees more. And so I just thought that was I thought that was interesting. And Swinton just said it's good helps hard to find that's if you yeah if you don't pay him much you can't find him that's why we had so much we had time for a couple extra questions because he was just he was very um uh efficient with his time he 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 had like two minutes to reply and he used about 40 uh, 14 seconds you know so it was pretty good um any closing so I, i had two things first of all one i googled the bunk bed rules and there is indeed laws. I don't know if there's a board or a license associated with bunk beds, but there are rules establishing requirements for retailers of bunk beds um, in the Oklahoma Code. It's under the State Board of Health. They shall promulgate rules establishing requirements for retailers of bunk beds, which include, but not limited to, just two things. One, all each set of bunk beds must be posted with an indelible warning which conforms to the American Society for Testing and Materials Voluntary Standards or U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission Standards. I've got a new regula- regulation if any of the candidates want it. What's that? Each bunk bed has to come with two cowboy hat hard hats. Nice, nice. <laughs> there you go. The, the, second, rule, <laughs> the second rule is um, basically that the space... What's, you can't sell a set of bunk beds that does not limit the space between the lower edge of the guardrail and the upper edge of the bed frame of the upper bunk to three and one half inches or less. Oh yeah, so you don't have a child's head get caught right in the. But it's just of the two rules, that's one. The ones like, first of all, sell safe bunk beds. Also, be sure they're safe in this very specific way. Right. Um, yeah, and it was passed in 1998. So I want to emphasize this is not because of you, but rather while you were reading that, I f- fell asleep and fell out of a bump. <laughs> like while yeah, you were old big government Frank Keating up on that thing. <laughs> right, that's right. Um, so then uh, maybe we'll, um, if you guys are okay with, it, we can end with. I was just going to read my three tweets. I tried to summarize each of the candidates' closing statements in a single tweet, which was tough. Um, so I may have slightly missed the point, but here we go. Uh, so Mr. Swinton went first. He basically said we... Oh, no, he didn't. He went second. We'll start with the first one was Representative Osborne. She said, will workers stay in Oklahoma? Nothing changes until we have more jobs, better jobs, and better educated workforce. We need to target and train high school students, not just grown-ups or adults. Yep. Agreed. Um, Mr. Swinton went next, and he said, we need to teach people how to have self-respect and how to help them find what they're supposed to do so that they have some investment in self-respect in what they do. Basically, if you do what you're supposed to do, you feel good about it, you'll work harder. Okay, I, I'm glad that you said that because I wrote down what you just like said. Mm-hmm. I agree with your summary, but I also put an ellipsis with I'm confused. Because oh. <laughs> when he said it, I was just totally... I don't understand the point that you're trying to make with regard to the labor commissioner. That was it. But Okay, all right. It wasn't about the position. It was about kind of what we needed to do in general. And then uh, Ms. Costello closed this out and she said basically my summary is that um she started by giving the constitutional description of the labor commissioner um which scott mentioned earlier that shall advance opportunities for profitable employment uh, because labor brings dignity to people 
She promoted, uh, or she promotes uh, Votex, and then again mentioned the need to address mental illness in the workforce. So, so that's my quick and dirty summary. And I, I agree. I would say, do we? Uh, there's three of us here. Do we? Um, do we? Do we have a winner? Do we want to? I don't think there's. I don't know that we can. You know, we'll know who wins the primary. But like, can we? Can we say coming out of the primary was there a person who? Was there a person who kind of, uh, you know, equipped or, I don't know, uh, represented themselves best? Was there a person who, what do you think? I, I think that they were all um, kind of unique in their own way. Um, yeah. And I don't really know what criteria we would judge them on anyway. Right. Um, it, there was no clear winner, no clear loser. Sure. Um, they, I, I think, in my opinion, uh, Representative Osborne and Miss Costello, seemed to present themselves in a more traditional political like politician way right um, but i don't think that's keith swinton's style either like he would he's not a politician sure right? so um so i think it was it was interesting yeah. i feel more informed as a voter trace uh yeah i thought everybody did well i mean um it wasn't i, I thought there might be a little more back and forth than there was but um overall I, again i think it was really focused on a lot of the details of the job and um, I'm really interested to see what the Democratic candidates say on yeah. uh, Friday, June 15th. So um, just a sh- shameless plug for uh, this event as well. Um, hope people come out to the Trolley Stop Record Shop 1212 North Penn. Uh, if you have a vinyl player, uh, bring some cash. Uh, like literally bring cash because I don't think they take cards. But um, They've got some good stuff. If, though, they, got, they got a big selection. So that'll be That'll be good, um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And then, obviously, also uh, by the time this airs, we'll have announced Saturday, June 23rd. Mark it down, Mike Hunter in one corner, <laughs> in the other corner, bing, bing, Angela bing. Bonilla, and then in the third corner of this triangle, we've got <laughs> Gintner, Drummond. Dude, that's gonna be a fun night. I can't wait. I'm excited. And, and by night, you mean 2 p.m. in the afternoon. Whatever. That's true. All right. Well, that. <laughs> brings us to the end of this episode uh, remember you can connect with us on twitter and instagram at let's fix this okay scott is at sc melson uh, andy i'm at, at andy okc trace is... i am at thrice savage t-h-r-i-c-e savage s-a-v-a-g-e and at non-doc media n-o-n-d-o-c media that's at non-doc media on facebook instagram or twitter thanks for having me definitely worth a follow there uh, you can connect with us on Facebook as well. Let's fix this, uh, okay? And our website is letsfixthisok.org. Um, Let's fix this is a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization who strives to educate and equip all Oklahomans to engage with the government. We encourage you to get involved in any way you can, specifically right now by learning about candidates and going to cast your ballot in the primary election on June 26th. Ooh, Scott, we forgot to mention. On June 26th, you and I both took off work so we can drive around and talk to voters and, and film ourselves in the car while we do it, right? We are such huge nerds. We are. are you but it's going to be form? awesome. Ooh, that sounds like a good we, plan, though. We should. We should. Um, we will have a surprise announcement, I believe. I don't want to say it yet because it may not happen, but I think um, we're going to have a new uh, merch item to announce on that day. Stay tuned. All right, vote cowboy hat, hard hats, but I don't know. (laughs) That's right. Get your let's fix this cowboy hat, hard hat.
No, that's not what it is, but that would be cool. That's definitely an idea. Well, the, yeah, for the future. Do they have ones that we can have, like, the Let's Fix This logo put on? You can put a sticker on anything. Wow, that's... There it is. There we go. Get them in red and blue. All right. Um, remember, everyone, decisions are made by those who show up. Have a great weekend.